You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Amen. All right. Uh, yeah, so Stephen. Who spells Stephen with a P-H? That's not, that doesn't even sound like a V, right? So anyway, whatever. St- right. It's dumb. English. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. No excuses. Uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 145. My name is Luke. For those of you who don't know me, I get to be one of the pastors on staff here. Um, and I, I'm super excited about, uh, about all the ministry that's, that's going to be starting up, youth group. Um, guys, that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Nathan, where's Nathan at? Depending. All right. Nathan has those handouts. So, so if you're in here, you're middle school to, to high school, and you're like, I'm, I'm down with youth group. Like, this next Friday is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to play some games. So make sure you go to Nathan and grab some of those handouts because school's starting back up, and uh, we want you to hand those out to your friends, and, and um, it's going to be super fun. All right, this morning as we, as we continue going through uh, the, the book of Psalms, we just have a few more weeks left, and, and then things are going to be uh, changing up just a bit. But as you're, as you're turning to Psalm 145, I want to just ask you a question. Um, have you ever been, like, reintroduced to someone? Now, I'm, I'm not talking about, like, uh, me sometimes when, when I meet somebody on Sunday morning and I'm like, hey, my name is Luke, I'm one of the pastors here. And they're like, yeah, I know, I've met you like three times before. It's like, yes, you have, and I apologize. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those times where, where maybe, um, maybe, like for me, this past week, we, my family and I, we got to go uh, on vacation to Duluth, Minnesota. And maybe you're like, yeah, nobody goes to Minnesota on vacation it was super fun. We went camping. There was a bear in our campground. It all, the whole nine yards, super fun. A little bit scary. Um, but as, as we went camp, now you're like, I want to hear the story of the bear. The, what, we'll tell that later. But uh, uh, went, on our way up to Minnesota, we got to hang out with a bunch of friends. And one of our friends up in northern Minnesota was a friend of mine back in college. And, and I hadn't seen him in, in years. It's been, it's been a long time. And, and it, there's, there's that awkward moment when you're getting reintroduced to someone. I don't know if you've experienced this where it's like, hey, how's it going? You know, like I, I knew you back here and we have history together and we, we did some cool things together. But, I, you know, we're grownups now. And so do we need to act like grownups? Do I need to be more mature? Do we, can we still have fun? You know, there's that awkwardness where it's like we have kids now. So what is it? You know, it's like are we? And it, there's just that, that space where it's like what, what do I do with this now? I knew who you used to be, but, but now I don't know who you are now. And, and, and I think not only does this happen with people that we used to know, but it, but it can happen with people that we interact with every day, right? Like, like roommates or, or even your spouse. There can be times where, where maybe situations or circumstances create gaps in your relationship where, um, like hypothetical, maybe if, if your spouse just like throws their dirty clothes at the laundry basket, instead of putting them in it, and like their shirts hang half in, half out, and, and over and over and over, that creates a gap where, where all of a sudden that shirt makes you rethink everything you knew about that person, right? Yeah, you're laughing because you know what I'm talking about, or the, or the, the dishes in the, in the sink, and it's like, 
oh, why, they know they don't love me because this is happening or, or they, don't, they are this way because, because this circumstance or this situation. And I think the same can happen when we, with, our, with our relationship with God. Right? Maybe, maybe circumstances or distance has, has created gaps and, and, and before long you're left wondering, like, it, maybe God isn't who I thought he was. Maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's different than, than what, I, what I learned in Sunday school because, because if he was who I thought he was, then, then this thing wouldn't be happening the way it is or, or situations would be different or, or whatever it is. Maybe, maybe there are times in our lives where, where you've experienced that skewed kind of vision because, because of your, your situation. And I believe what David does here in this psalm is he, he's wanting to reintroduce us to who God actually is. And th- this, this is a weighty thing, right? Because there's only one God. And so, so who he is and what he's like, there's a lot riding on that. And so I believe that as we, as we look at this, this psalm, what David desperately wants us to see is he's, he wants us to be reintroduced to the true God. He wants us to experience God in the way God truly desires to be experienced. So, so read with me Psalm 145. I'm just going to read straight through and then we'll go back and, and kind of pick it apart a little bit. Psalm 145, starting with verse 1. A song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness." The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. And the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let the flesh, let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for, for your words this morning. God, I praise you for this, this poem, this song that we get, to, uh, we get to just dive into. And God, I pray that you would help us to see you clearly as David uh, desires to reintroduce us to you this morning. Help us, God. Help us to walk in that. Help us to, to know you and love you more than, than when we walked into this place as we leave. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. The first thing that we see here is as David opens this, this song, 
The first thing that I want you to understand is this is, this is kind of the last. There's only 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. And so this is, this is kind of the, the, the ramping up. This is uh, one commentary talked about how this is kind of like the, the fireworks finale. Like, have you ever been to a fireworks show and like they, they light off some big ones and it's like, oh, this must be the finale. And it's like, oh, no, they're still going. And it's like, this must be. the And then, and then they, you get to the finale and it's like, oh, this is, you know, have you ever been? Yeah, okay, a few of you. Some of you have never seen fireworks. That's sad. <laughs> what David is doing here is he's pulling out all the stops because this is like the finale. And so he began, I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed, but there's, there's all these different ways that he describes praising God. He says, he, he starts with, I will extol, bless, bless, praise, commend, declare, meditate, speak, declare, pour forth, sing aloud, give thanks, shall bless you, speak, tell, make known. Over and over and over, he gives all these different, different ways in which he just wants to praise God. And, and in fact, I, this, this psalm is, is an acrostic poem, which what that means is he takes the Hebrew alphabet and each letter of the alphabet, he, he starts a new line with that letter. I, I don't know Hebrew. I'm just going to take the commentary's word for it. But it would be kind of like if, if it's like, I want to I use our alphabet to describe just how awesome God is. So it's like, okay, A. Uh, what's an A word? God is awesome. Hey, there you go, right? You're with me. B. Beautiful is God. C. Creative. D's next, right? D, delightful, right? If, if you continue to go, it's th- that's what David's doing. He's saying, I'm just going to go through all these letters and just, this is who God is. And this is, this is what he's like. He starts off, he, he says, I will extol you, my God and my king, and bless your name for that word extol. He's, he's, I'm, we're not going to go through all the words, but that word extol, he's saying, I'm going to lift you up. I want to make much of you. Forever and ever, for always, there's, there's nothing more, there's nothing, nothing as good as you, nothing better than you. I want to make much of you, God. And then he says, I want to bless you. And that, to me, that's confusing. There's quite a few times in here he uses the word bless. And when I think of blessing someone, I think, for some reason, my mind always goes to food. Like, if, if someone were wanting to bless me, it's like they would bring me, like a casserole or something, you know. I, I don't know why my mind goes to that. But it's like, like I, I told my wife one time, I was like, I want to have another baby just so we can be on the food chain thing. Like, <laughs> that's it, right? I, I love when, when it's like, oh, here's some food. Oh, that's a blessing to me. But when, it, when it's like, what does it mean for us to bless God? Like, we don't add anything to him. He is, he is all self-contained. He doesn't need anything. And what, what uh, John Piper, he's a pastor up in Minneapolis, he says, to bless God means to recognize his great richness, strength, and gracious bounty, and to express our gratitude and delight in seeing and experiencing it. So I just want to delight in you, God. I want to make much of you, God. And he uses all these different, different ways to describe his praise as he's pouring forth this praise to God. It, it reminds me, again, we just got back from vacation. Just got back Friday afternoon from vacation up in Duluth. And it was, it was cool because um, when I, if you've ever been there, it's like Duluth is down in this bay. And so as we were driving around the city, we were there for like three days. And, and as we were driving around the city, we'd drive to one point and see Lake Superior. And it, like when you drive in at first, it's like, oh, kids, the lake. Look at the lake. How beautiful. Look, like, and the kids, oh, yeah, we're there. It's the lake. Oh, that's cool. And by day three, 
right? When day three, when you, you turn another corner and my wife and I are like, guys, the lake, look at the lake from this angle. Look at how beautiful. And the kids are just reading their books. It's like, no, you guys, we have to go back to Missouri soon. Like, this is beautiful. Look at this. Not that Missouri's not beautiful, right? But, <laughs> but it's, it's like, look at, look at this beauty. And I think what David, that's what David's doing, it was funny because when I, I was talking about this psalm in our teacher's meeting with Todd and Stan, and I was, I was like, oh, another psalm just about how good God is. How do I say this in a different way? And it's like, like you stop yourself for a second. And it's like, oh, David, what he's wanting us to do, he's wanting to reintrodu- reintroduce us to God. And he's saying, look, we should never get tired of seeing how beautiful and how praiseworthy and how, how just worthy to extol and lift up God actually is. He, he goes on from there in verses 4 through 7 and kind of talks about like the overflow of what it looks like to praise God in this way. He, he says in verse 4, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of your, might, of your might, of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. He's, he's talking about how like, when, when we see God in this way, when we begin to worship him in this way, it just comes out of us. If you skip down to verse 10, uh, 10 through 12, it's kind of 10 through 13, it's kind of the same mentality. He says, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. You see, when, when we look at this, when I first read like verse 4, the thing that, that I read was, uh, hey, do this. Proclaim this to the generations. Make sure, make sure you're telling people enough. Make sure, make sure you're going out and... and Telling all these different people about how good God is because you've got to make sure you do this. But, but it's not. If you, if you notice, he's not saying do this. He's saying this is what happens. This is a, this is a, a byproduct of worshiping God in this way. Do you see that? He, he's saying there, to, to kind of um, put an exclamation point on it, he, he has this kind of they, I back and forth in verses 4 through 7. Uh, if you notice, he says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. So there's this like, they will declare it, I will meditate. They will speak of your mighty awesome, mighty, awesome deeds and I will declare your, your greatness. There's this back and forth. They will see this, I will do this. They will do this, I will do this. There's, there's this thing and I believe that what he's saying is that he's, he's like, oh, I'm just getting so caught up in who you are. I'm getting so caught up in, in, in your greatness. He's saying, I'm, I'm meditating on the splendor, on your wondrous works. I just meditate. And what that means, that, that word meditate, I believe that what it means is just like just getting everything out of it that he can, just resting in it. Like I'm trying to think of like, like eating barbecue ribs. I'm going somewhere with, like, when, when you eat ribs, I, I don't know if you're like me where it's like, oh, I just, you know, like good ribs, especially, where it's like, I just want to get every little bit off of this bone that I can. And then, and then you know, like, I know it's gross, but like licking your fingers afterwards, it's like, I don't want to get, ri- I, I don't want to miss out on any of it. 
And I believe what he's saying is that when, when we do this, when we see God in this way, the outpouring is that the next generation will see it. Those around us will see it. Our kids will see it. Those who follow after us are going to love what we love. They're going to be about what we're about. Whatever that is, that will be what's handed down. And that's what he's saying. And, I, and you might be like, well, I don't have kids. Maybe, maybe your kids are grown. Maybe you don't have kids. But there are people that are following you. There are people that are following you. There are people who are looking at you, wondering where you're going. And what you love, what you're about, will be what they're about. This is, this is so much more important than handing down, like, the family recipes. This is so more, more, much more important than handing down, like, Christmas traditions. I, I think back to my dad when, when I was a kid. And, and there were so many times one of my fondest memories of my dad is when I would wake up in the morning. I would come upstairs and he'd still be there before he went off to work. Or maybe it was on a weekend. And he would be just sitting with the Bible open and a hot cup of coffee just meditating on the word of God. Like that's, that's one of my fondest memories of my dad. And my prayer is that my kids will see that I love Jesus in that way. My prayer is that, that an outpouring, it's not, it's not duty, it's delight. It's not like, oh, i got to do this. But it's like, oh, I'm so, like when you see a good movie, isn't it? Like we, we got to hang out with, um, oh, man, uh, his name is Kyle Rudolph. You guys know who that is? Like the tight end of the Minnesota Vikings? No big deal, right? It's just a uh, regular Friday night for us. Um, <laughs> But we got to go to this fundraiser a few weeks ago, and we, we got supper with Kyle Rudolph. And I'm not a football guy. And I, I asked, like, this guy is crazy. Like, when I shook his hand, I felt like a baby. And, like, his hands were, I've never shaken somebody's hands that were that big. And so we're, we're sitting with him and his wife. We're eating. I'm like, hey, so what position do you play? He's like, tight end. So what does that mean? I don't, offense, defense, I, you catch the ball or no like I, but but my point with all that is that when i retell that story it's not out of duty it's not like oh shoot i forgot to tell people about Kyle Rudolph today no it's 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 like I got to, I don't even know anything about football, but I got to hang out with this huge football player and his hands went, you know, and I, I got to describe my experience and it was just out of this delight. And I believe what David is doing here is he's reintroducing us to God and he's saying, look, when you begin to see God the way he truly is, you will declare it in, in a way that's true and right, not out of duty, not out of responsibility, but out of, out of just love and delight because God is so good. And, and people following us need to see that. They don't need more duty. They don't need more responsibilities. They don't need more, more just laws heaped up on them. I believe what they actually need is they need to see us delight in Jesus. Todd said one time to our connection group leaders, he was saying, your, your connection groups, and, and I would say parents, your kids, or, or whoever is following you, they don't need you to be Jesus. They need you. They need to see you need Jesus. I thought that was so beautiful. They don't need you to be Jesus. They need to see you need Jesus. David, he, he goes on and, and verses 8 and 9, he's, he just continues to, to talk about who God is. He says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. See, what he's doing here is he's, he's, he's going back to Exodus. He's, he's using a passage from Exodus, Exodus chapter 34. I don't have it up on the screen, but Exodus 34, 5 through 7. You can write it down and look it up later. But, but the context is when Moses, Moses is asking God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And it says, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. He, he goes on, but the thing, as, as Moses is saying, just show me more of you. Show me who you are. God says, this is who I am. This is my name. This is what I'm known for. This is my fame. And, and it's what David is saying here. He's saying the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. He, he says in verse 9, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. That word mercy, uh, I looked it up this past week, and it's, it's a really weird word, but that word mercy, it's literally translated womb. And I love it because it gives me this, this mental image. He says, read it again with that, with that in mind. The Lord is good to all, and his womb is over all that he has made. Weird, right? But at the same time, it gives us this beautiful word picture of the closeness and intimacy of God with his people. Like, is there, is there any closer relationship than a mother with her unborn child? Is there any closer relationship than the fact that that mother, whatever she takes in, feeds her child? She's close to her child. She protects her child. She's all around her child. She never leaves her. She can't, she can't forget her child. <laughs> or it's like she goes to the, the grocery store. You can't leave your unborn child in the, in the grocery cart. Like that would be really difficult to do, right? Because it's in you. And he gives this word picture, and he's saying, that's God with us, with his creation, with his people. He's saying, let me reintroduce you to God. He is all around you. He loves you. He's merciful. He's steadfast. He continues to, to unpack in, in verse 14. He says, the Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Let's just stop there. He says, the Lord raises up. He upholds all who are falling. He's saying that, that word falling, it's, it's, it's like a present situation. It's I am in the act of falling. He's saying, look, for those of us who feel as though they're falling, for those of us who feel as though we're in maybe a situation or, again, this, this context where it makes us wonder, is God really who, who he says he is? is? Is God really who I thought he is? He's saying people in that context who are, who are in the act of falling, what does it say about God? The Lord upholds all who are falling. I was thinking about how can those two things exist at the same time, God is upholding while I am falling. How does that work? It makes me think of like when, uh, when my kids were younger and we'd take them to, or even not, not my kids, but, but uh, I went to a rock wall here. It's been years ago. And uh, climb, made it all the way to the top, no big deal, but uh, climbed all the way to the top. And then, and then there's that moment. I don't know if you've ever done this, but there's that moment where you're like belayed. 
and, and you know, you're up at the top, and then it, you're like, what do I do now? I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but you get to the top, and your, your fingers are shaking, your arms are trembling. It's been really hard to get where you are, and then, and then you look down, and it's like, wow, I'm a long ways up here, and wow, that person down there is holding this rope, and if I let go, I'm going to be falling. Like, it makes me think of that, and, and there's always that moment when I've done that in the past where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm putting all my trust here. I'm putting, you know, and, and, and there's these situations that cause us, it feels like we're falling, but in reality, what David says about God is he's saying, no, he actually has you. It may feel as though you're falling right now, but he has your rope. He's holding you. He's all around you. He loves you. He's, he's merciful. He's steadfast. He has you. But not only that, he, he says, um, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all, all who are bowed down. That, that word bowed down, it's, it's this idea of being brought low. Or maybe even it, it's, it also has the implications of being hollowed out. There's those times where not only are we falling, not only have we gone through things, but we've gone through it and it's in our past, but we're just hollowed out because of it. We're just, we're bowed down, we're, we're bowed low. We've, we've had these weights on our backs and it feels as though nobody understands and it feels as though nobody can help. It feels as though nobody can, can take this weight off of us and yet David is reintroducing us to God and he says, no, this is who God is. Not only does he uphold those who are falling, but he raises up all who are bowed down. He can, he can refill you if you feel hollowed out. He wants to take that weight from off your shoulders if you feel bowed down, if you feel weighted down. In fact, Jesus himself says in, in, um, in verse, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 in Matthew, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, hey, come to me. Come to me. David, he, he continues on in verse, verse 15. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. He, he's saying, look, look to God. He, he's, the, he's the one that will fulfill. Like it, um, my family and I, we have, a, we have a little dog named Boswell. Many of you have met him. Um, he's a I, Shih Tzu poodle mix. I feel like I need to hand in my man card every time I take him on a walk. But uh, I love little dogs. My wife loves the big ones. But, um, but my dog, Boswell, I'm really the one who keeps him alive. <laughs> now, my family may disagree with that, but you can see it in the way my dog acts. Like, my wife will say, Boswell, you want to go outside? <laughs> we say it just like that. You want to go outside? And... Uh, and <laughs> It's so interesting because I'll be standing there. She'll be standing there. She's the one that said it. And what my dog does, he gets real happy. And then he turns to me. And, you know, he waits, he waits to see what I'm going to do. Why? Why? Why do you think that is? Why do you think he does that? <laughs> Who do you think takes him out like 99.9% of the time? I might be over-exaggerating just a little bit. But he looks to me because he knows I'm the one that's going to take care of him. He knows I'm the one that's going to fulfill his needs. See, I think that's what David's saying. He's saying, look, God is the one that we should look to. 
In the midst of these times when we we feel like we're falling, in the midst of these times we're bowed down, he says, look to God because he's the one that provides. He's the one, when he opens his hand, he, he provides for you. And he says, in due season. You might be in a season where you're like, I don't feel like God's providing for me in this. I don't feel like, like things, are, things are happening for me, but I, I think it's interesting that David makes sure we understand that he says in due season. What does that in due season mean? It means it's not according to your plan or my plan, but in due season, it's like the rains that came and watered the crops. Where there would be times where it's like, man, it's getting late in the season. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the rains are going to come. And then they come in due season. When it's time for them to come, they come and the crops grow. And, and the people are taken care of and they're fed. He says, in due season, he says, look to God because he will provide for your needs. In fact, uh, in Matthew, I have it up on the screen. Matthew, Jesus says it this way in chapter 6. 25 through 27, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says the Gentiles run after all these things. People who don't know God, people who don't have a relationship with God, they run after all these things. But you, look to God. David's saying, look to God, and you will not be, you will not be let down. In due season, he will provide for us. He, he goes on. Not only does he uphold, not only does he, he raise up, not only does he provide by his own hand, Verse 17 says, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that good news? He, he says he's near to all who call on him. Those who call on him in truth, that, that word truth, it, it really means this undivided attention, this undivided way of going about it, not where it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try you, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to seek you in these things, but these things I'm just going to keep over here. No, he's saying those who call on him in truth, un, this, this undivided going after it, Saying he hears, he's near, it means he's at hand. You don't have to look around for him, he's there. He's, not only is he, is he near to all who call him, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him, he also hears their cry and saves them. Not only does he save them, he preserves all who love him. So this is good news. As David is saying, look, let me reintroduce you to who God is. Let's, let's praise God together. He's saying, this is who God is. Not, not only, it's good news that he's beautiful. It's good news that he's powerful. It's good news that God created everything and everything proclaims his glory. But even better news than that, in my opinion, is that not only can God save, but God does and did save. Amen? Not, not only is it good, but, but it says that, that he's at hand to those who are hurting, to, to those who are falling, to those who are bowed down. He's, he hears us. He's with us. He's around us. And David's saying, let me, this is who God is. Let me reintroduce you to him. 
Let me bring you back to him. Let me, let me show you who he truly is. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says it this way, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what God did for us. He saved us. He took our sin and gave us righteousness. He took our brokenness. He took our fallings. He took our being bowed low, and, and he was bowed low. He, he was made low so that we may be lifted up. That's who God is. That's who, that's who he wants us to see him as. And David ends this psalm, he ends this, this crescendo of praise in the same way he began in verse 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Forever and ever. He said, I'm just going to keep praising him. I'm going to keep lifting him up. I'm going to keep making much of him. I'm going to keep seeing him in this way. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. And, and basically what David is saying in all of this, he's saying, this is who God is, and I just, want, I just want you to make much of him. I want you to get caught up in him. And I think we all know what it means to get caught up in something. If you've ever seen somebody in a new relationship, you know what it means to get caught up in something, right? Where they're all giddy, things, you know, kind of acting a little dumb. Let's be honest, right? Or, or maybe, maybe, not, maybe it's not a new relationship, but, but we all know what it's like to be caught up in, like, sports or a new car or a boat or your job or these things where it's just like, this is what I'm about. I'm, you know, like, I'm, I'm giddy and it's new and it's all these different things and, and oh, it's, this is awesome and this is awesome. I'm going to hang these posters on my wall to, to show that I love Mustangs. I don't know, or whatever. You know, it's like, this is what I'm about. This is, this is all that I'm about. And, and see, when we get caught up in those things, you don't, get, you don't get tired of talking about them, do you? You don't get tired of talking about them. You, when you're caught up in something, like, I don't know if it's good to say it. I'll just say it. I, like, people who are all about essential oils, what do you hear them talk about? <laughs> Can I say, is that all right? We, we laugh because it's true, right? It, like you, oh, you got a headache? Uh, you, you need this. What, I don't remember which, somebody was going to say it, like, oh, you need spearmint for headaches or whatever it is, right? When, when you're caught up in something, you don't get tired of talking about it. You don't, get, you don't get tired of experiencing it. Every time we saw a new aspect of the lake, it's like, kids, look at this. We don't get to see this very, look at the lake, look how beautiful it is, look at, we, you don't get tired of it. David's saying, look at God in this way. Look at, look at God, and I think not only, not only do, have we all experienced that, where it's like we don't get tired of it, but I think, I think those of us who have, who have been caught up in that, we, we also have experienced where it has maybe gone too far. Maybe, maybe it's gone to a place where, where you're like, Oh, yeah, that thing didn't actually work out. Or, or maybe, maybe for you, like for me, I, I can remember back, um, it's super embarrassing, but I remember like my punk grunge stage of life. Yeah, you could probably find pictures somewhere. I don't know. Like I, I think that's the only way I can describe it. Like I have frosted tips, and I know you're like, that's not punk grunge. I don't know what I was doing. Like I had Jenko jeans. If you don't know what that is, like they're the jeans that are like, like huge on the bottom. I had a chain. <laughs> I, I lived in Brashear, Missouri, 200 people. You know, it's like I'm walking around like, you know, 
You know, and I think, I think back to that experience, me getting caught up in this, like, who I was and who I was trying to present myself as, and it's just like, oh, that's so embarrassing, right? Or maybe for you, it's a relationship where it's like, oh, I gave myself way too much, too fast, too soon to that relationship. Or maybe for you, it's your job where you're realizing, like, I'm getting older, my kids are getting older. I'm giving way too much just to just being successful. Like, for you, maybe, maybe there's these things where you realize the moment where it's like, I've, I've got too caught up in this thing. See, the beautiful thing about this and what David, I believe, is showing us is that God never disappoints in that same way. When you, can, you, can over, you can overstate anything. Like, like, if you say, oh, that was the best movie in the world. It's like, yeah, no. Or, or if you're like, that was the best taco in the world. Unless you're at Tasty Taco in Des Moines, you're not eating the best taco in the world. All right? That, yeah, I got to clap for that. That's a, yeah. See, you can overstate all these different things. And if you get caught up in them, at some point you're going to realize, like, I, I went too far too fast. But what David is saying is he's saying, no, God is so much better than that. You can, he never disappoints. You will never get to a place where it's like, wow, that was embarrassing that I got so into God. Well, that was embarrassing that I trusted him in this way. Well, that was embarrassing. Like, you're never going to get to that place. And I believe what David is doing is he's saying, let me reintroduce you to God. What he's saying is that God is worth being caught up into. Because then it goes back to verse 4 where, where the, the byproduct of that is, One generation shall commend your works to another, shall declare your mighty acts. He's saying, look, when we truly see God the way he is meant to be seen, we're going to declare him in the way he's meant to be declared. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna show him the way that he's meant to be shown. And guys, this isn't a message saying do more or be more. This is a message saying we need to recapture our awe of God. And you might be thinking, well, how, how do I do that? And I really think it's in the same way that you get reintroduced to, to maybe an old friend or even your spouse after a, after a gap in your relationship. Where just like David said, he, he said in verse, verse 5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I, I'm just going to fix my eyes on you. I, I want to get more time with you. I want to I spend some time with you. I want to I get into the word more. I want to I be in prayer with you more. I want to I spend some time with you more. I want to remember the goodness of, of what you've done for me. I want to I remember who you are. I want to remember my story. I was listening to a pastor here this past week, and he said each of us need to be historians of grace, remembering what God has done, remembering who he, who he has been to us. Like, spend some time with him. Spend some time in his word. Spend some time in prayer. And, and not only that, but with, I, I believe that we need to do it with verses 14 through 20 in view. Truly believing that this is who God is. That, that he is the God who upholds the falling. That he truly raises up all who are bowed down. That as our eyes look to him, he gives us our food in due season. He, he loves us. He is with us. And in the person of Jesus, he died for us to have relationship with him. So this morning, as we, as we go out this week, 
My prayer for us, my prayer for you as a church, is that not that we would just go out and evangelize more, not that we would go out and tell our coworkers more, not that we would do a better job telling our kids about who Jesus is and about who God is, but you and I would recapture our awe of who God is, and, and a byproduct of that is we're just going to talk about him. We're just going to... Right? Right? This is what God's been doing in my life. Like it just pours out because those who are following us, they're going to care about what we care about. They're going to love what we love. They're going to see what we see. And if we just try and fake it till we make it, if we just try and tell our kids, hey, do what I say, not what I do, they will never see who God truly is. They will, they will miss what David is trying to get us to see. So this morning, Anthem Church, let's recapture our awe of who God is. Amen? Let's, let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for your goodness. I praise you. praise you for the mercy that you give to us. God, I praise you for just how David just presents you as one who is worthy of, of lifting up as one who is worthy of blessing, as one who is worthy of making much of, as one who, who upholds the falling, as one who, who preserves those who call to you, as one who hears us in our time of need. God, I praise you for that. I praise you that that is, that is who you are. And God, I pray right now that as a, as a body, as people in this place, God, I pray that you would help us see you in that way. Maybe, maybe there are people here who they're just, they are bent low because of their situations and their circumstances. Or maybe, maybe they feel like they're falling right now. God, I pray that you would help them to see the truth of who you are, that you have them. And God, I pray that if there are those in here that they haven't put their trust in you, they haven't let go of that wall and put their trust in you. They, 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 haven't, uh, they, they haven't trusted you to forgive them of their sins. God, I pray that you would help them to experience you in that way this morning. Speak to their hearts, God. Help us to see you so that those who are following us can see you as well. We love you, God. We praise you. It's in your name. Amen.